As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Hi, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good, because every year dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them, but with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly, so get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Lee Curtis, and you're listening to the Good Friend Podcast, presented to you by iHeartRadio. It's a podcast about friendship. We talk about everything. We cry, we laugh. We think about what it really means to be a good friend. And I have conversations with some of my best friends, some people I've never met, and sort of everything in between. So I hope by the end of it that you have a really good sense of what friendship means to me and the people that I consider friends. And I hope you can take those same ideas into your own friendship groups and I hope you enjoy it. The really beautiful part about this, Amanda DeCadene, is that we don't know each other. <laughs> the beauty is yeah. we've yeah. not ever physically been in the same space. I know, but we've... But we have shared spaces in a very powerful way together through mutual friends and, yes. and common goals. And yeah. that is so powerful when you get to meet someone with an open heart and the same intentions and focus in life. I know, but it's what it really um, solidifies for me is that friendship is not just um, both of you smoking a joint you know, out of a, a apple that you turned into a bong um, when you were 14, <laughs> that that is not the only way you can make a friendship. You can make a friendship in friend groups with common links, common intentions, common life goals, life yeah. goals. I, I want to be alive and open and you want to be alive and open and therefore... I am in you, you are in yeah. me. We feel close to each other, even if we didn't smoke um, pot out of an apple bong. Apple bong when we were 14. But I think we would have had a lot of fun doing that still. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about, I was very excited. My listener um, will be very excited that we're talking today. I know I have at least one. Um, I actually <laughs> know who that person is. <laughs> who's probably listening. So I just, I, that way I just don't feel like such a loser that there's no listener. And I don't, my, I don't get grandiose thinking that there are thousands. I just go right. into the, there's one. Um, I think you would have terrified me. Um, Why? In high, like if we had met 
in our youth. I mean, I'm older than you, so we would have never met in our youth. We can imagine what we would be like. Right. So since we are not friends in that conventional sense, we don't have a shared history. So I'm going to do a little unpacking with you to sort of talk about your history as a friend. But the times we have been um, on Zoom calls with our mutual friends, with our mutual goals for social justice, women's rights, the election, uh, many common links. Yes. What I have learned from your life history is that you were a wild child from a fairly early on. Yes? Yeah, I was. That was the first label that was put on to me. Oh, I don't, I um, don't even know what label. I just made that up knowing that you were sort of out on your own. That was a label. Of course, you intuited that without even knowing it. But when I was 14 years old and I was hosting a live late night talk show and I had a very severe drug and alcohol addiction at the time. And what goes with that, as you know, is a lot of behavior that is loud. And uh, in my case, it was visible because I was on TV at the time. So people were looking at what I was doing. And that was a name, Wild Child, that the British tabloid media gave me. I wouldn't know that because I didn't know that about you. I know, but of course that was something you you in, intuitively picked up because that was actually I was a kid and I was, you know, I was definitely uh, out in the world doing things that kids should not have been doing. So let me uh, let me stop you for I'm just going to literally unpack this for a minute. So because I know nothing, I don't Google. This isn't we're not selling anything. If you had a no. book, I wouldn't have read it before this because I don't want this to be about that. I want this to be authentic and and between That's us. That's what I do on my part. I don't. I when I interview people, I don't talk about their project. There's yeah. enough other places to do that. Yes, and that's not a part of this. It was never an intention of this. It was simply to explore friendship, good friendship in the uh, realm of a podcast with Beautiful me idea. as a sort of connective pivot. And thank you for asking me to be a part of this. I wanted to. I respect you. Thank you, Jamie. Um, and thank I'm, you. I'm, I want to know kind of how you became this person and how long you've been that person. Because I wasn't that person originally. I was much shallower and uh, very insecure. But I'm, I'm interested in most people when they're 14 are in friend groups, they're in some sort of organized school life. They haven't even often started to explore themselves as a individual thinker, beer, experiencer in the world, certainly physically. We're just 14 trying to figure it out. I mean, 14, 15. Oy. So to hear that you were a young woman at 14 with a late night. <laughs> I know, crazy. So when, how formed were you and what formed you? Hmm. It's interesting that you say that you don't feel that you were the person that you are now, the the roots of the integrity and the value system, which I know you hold so dearly. It's one of the things that I respect about you, um, that you feel like that that wasn't necessarily part of that. That probably was. I was talking more about the confidence, knowing my mind, knowing what I, I, yeah, I I just wanted to bring, like, I can't imagine that it wasn't actually, because there's no way that you build the the self that you have built or I build the self that I have built, no matter how long the detours were, without having those pieces of me as an integral building block. I think I've always been an advocate for um, justice. And it showed up in very odd ways when I was at school, for example, where I got in a lot of trouble because as a 13, even a 12-year-old, I would say, why are you punishing someone and giving them a detention because they don't wear knee socks, which is the school uniform. They're wearing ankle socks. Who cares? What does that have to do with their ability 
to be productive at school. Why are you punishing people unnecessarily? Punish people when there's an, there's a, give them a, the, the punishment does not fit the crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got in trouble at school for saying things like that, you know, and they were like, Amanda's disruptive and she's, she's getting kids to think, uh, you know, all these bad ideas. And it was like, well, not really. I'm just questioning the system that you've got going on here. Cause I don't agree with it. How have you questioned the system since you were young? Because you don't, did you come out questioning the system within your family unit within those early years? So my dad is a race car driver. And what that showed me growing up, number one, um, was that he didn't, and I have a brother who's two years younger than me. So he never treated us based on gender. He always, he taught me to ride a motorbike when I was six years old. Um, he always said to me, I don't want you to have to get on the back of some guy's bike. You learn to how to ride a motorbike and you'll tell him, no, you get in the back of my bike. Um, he had female race, his, his, uh, his co-pilots in some of his races, he raced at Le Mans every year, which is a 24 hour hour endurance race, Mm -hmm. uh, where you'll race for like 10 hours straight at like 270 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, he had female co-pilots. So I grew up with this concept that, you know, as a woman, there was a no restrictions because of my gender. And what a shock I got (laughs) to realize that was, that was not the case. And I was always told to chat, to ask questions, always, always told to ask questions um, by my parents. They always said to me, just because someone says that's the way it is, uh, do you think it's the way it is? And why do you think it's the way it is? Or why do you think that's not the way it is? And, you know, interestingly enough, even with my kids now, when they go to the doctor, they're now 14, my oldest one's 28, they're old enough to go in by themselves now, right? Um, And so I'll say, you ask questions. If they're telling you this, you ask why. If they're making a suggestion of like, well, we think you should take this medication, ask them, why do you think I should take that medication? What are the side effects? What's the pros? What's the cons? And I think empowering kids, as I was empowered to ask questions, has always led me to create, you know, a different path where I haven't seen one. Okay. I want to get to kids because, of course, having you as their mother, as a friend of theirs, as well as their mother is is going to help. But I want to go back to school for a minute. I was such a good girl and never asked any questions ever of anyone. I was raised in a house where you were told if you ask for anything, um, that you, that, that is a sign of weakness that you need nothing. You need something, right. Need nothing. And no one Mm. follow the rules. Mm. The rules are there for a reason, follow them. And I was the ultimate good girl. I never said no to my mother. Wow. Never said the word. No. I remember the day my four-year-old daughter said no to me. What did you do? And I, just, I, I remember I sort of started hyperventilating. Like, mm. w- wait a minute. What do you mean no? I also was raising my daughter differently. I was encouraging her to have a voice. So it wasn't an accident that when I said, let's do something or we're going to do this or whatever, I don't even remember what it was. It's irrelevant. But she said no. Yeah. I remember sort of quivering like, what? Um, so what I'm bringing up to you is it's you would have been an example to me. I would have sat, I would always sitting in the front row, always did what I was supposed to do, never did anything wrong, ever. So I would have looked to you like you were James Dean <laughs> in and uh, you would have been unapproachable. Isn't it sad that when we think about you know, what that version of me would be at that state at that time. It's James Dean. Like, who's the women that would, who's the woman? I understand. I'm telling you, you would have seemed like the rebel without a cause. You (laughs) would have represented to me something so foreign. And I think that's it. It would have been, you were speaking the way you just described well, why can't we wear our knee socks this way? I wanted to belong so much. And what's interesting to me is 
I'm not getting a sense. You see, so my need to belong made me reach out to a certain group of friends and find them and cling to them because that meant I was part of something and mm. I was in a group and we were good people. Do you know what I mean? Like, Were, it, you, were you an only child? No, I have an elder sister who was a little bit, a little bit of a rebel, a little bit of a rebel. But no, I just was raised by a strict businessman. And, you know, I just didn't challenge authority on any level. Have you grown up to challenge authority? It has taken me, I'm 62, it's taken me a long time. I am starting to, simply in getting involved in social justice, you can't get involved with social justice issues and not challenge authority because it is the authority that's the issue that has <laughs> is yeah. the issue often yeah but i want to go back to something because i would have looked at you like you had grown you know weird antlers i would have looked at you like how does she have that now when you were young did you have friends who were with you in that like I'm I'm no. trying to figure out you as a friend. You seem like somebody who was sort of out in front mm. um a bit. And, and did you have a lot of friends in your early life like that? I mean, it was hard to find people that could understand my life because there were not other 14-year-olds that were hosting a live late night talk show who were not in school in the way I was. I was earning a lot of money. Um, which was good because I was self-supporting, um, but I had a very unusual life. And then at 16, um, I actually, I was 16, almost 17. I met my first husband. So, and I married him and had a daughter by 19. So I would say my entire teenage years were not usual. Um, there are a lot of teen moms, but I was a teen mom who was on TV who was a household name as a young as a young woman who was trying to form her identity and i had a husband who was a successful musician um who's in a band called duran duran which i did not know at the time i was into kind of punk music so it wasn't really my world but i suddenly entered his world of like marrying an international pop star when i was you know 17 and so I'll, I had a very unusual life and it was hard for me to find people who I could connect with on that path. But one of the things that I've always felt as a strong part of me is that I connect to the essence of people. Um, I know and I've known from a very young age and maybe it's because I grew up around people who had, you know, unusual jobs. My dad was a race car driver. I was surrounded by musicians. My dad's closest friend is in uh, Pink Floyd. You know, I grew up around like, you know, Dire Straits and Pink Floyd and the Stones. And like, that's the people I grew up around. And so I always knew from a young age that what you saw on the outside was not necessarily what was happening on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I've always been able to connect with people through their essence and my essence. And so even though the outsides of my life were very different in my teenage years, I've always had friends also who had sort of nothing to do with my life. They were random people who I met on a bus or someone who I met in a line somewhere or just like random choice, uh, you know, like the universe. Somehow I'd meet this person and I would have so much in common with them. But on the outside, we had nothing in common. But on the inside, it was like, oh, I know you and you know me. And those have, a lot of my teen years were friends like that. We'll be right back with more Good Friend after this quick break. So stick around. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. 
Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. A common mistake that a lot of people do, they use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 1067 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. You said you had a child very young. Um, It's so funny when you were talking about you in school early. I went to a girl's school for two years. So did I. Um, did you like it? Not in Los Angeles, did you? No, you were in no England. in England. I went to boarding yeah. school. Yeah, no, this wasn't a boarding school. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was, it was. I, 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 I only grew, two years. Uh, it just, I went. To, you know, I went to Beverly Hills High for a year, and then I went to Westlake School, which is a girls' school, for yeah. a couple of years, and then I went to a prep school back east for a year because I followed my mother. Anyway, my point is, <laughs> so my junior year. At Westlake, we could take our yearbook pictures in our friend groups rather than just the traditional. Oh, that must have felt like pressure. Well, it felt fun and a little different than just the classic ugly picture view. And so, you know, the arts kids, you know, wore top hats and were very flamboyant. The ballerinas were together on point. Um the jocks were there with their hockey sticks or whatever. And my, I was a cheerleader. And so my friend you were group. were a cheerleader? Oh, totally. Oh, oh come my on. God. I mean, no. come on. Of course, I was a cheerleader. Because I'm, that's what I do. I cheerlead. So our group was, um, oh. we were sitting with our legs crossed in a semicircle with our hands in our lap, wearing our uniforms, kind of smiling. But there were four girls. The only rule at Westlake that I remember was you're not allowed to leave campus without permission. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the that rule. Sense. Right. There was a picture in the yearbook of four girls walking off of campus taken from the back. So we, mm-hmm. it was their backs to the camera as they walked out the gate of the school, which to me was you. When you were talking about, you know, like, why can't you wear? Oh, yeah, that was me. And that was me. And I would be like, and why aren't you coming with me? Right. And I jump and see, I wouldn't have known you then because you would have scared me because I was such a good girl. I 
started to explore who I was more in my 20s. My 20s, I was an actor at that point. You know, I I was starting to expand myself a little bit. And you were a mom in your 20s. I was a mom. I've been a mom most of my life. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because since you and I have have become friends, um, you know, obviously it's, you know, you've been on my, I've seen more of you in my Instagram feed. Um, and I wonder if, you know, Insta- they're listening to me because they can, they know that I'm like talking to you on the phone and then suddenly there's like, you know, Jamie images in my Instagram feed or something. But I've been really had so many clips and films and little bits and pieces that I've seen of you. And my husband was saying to me the other day, uh, we were looking at something and a photo of you came up on my feed and he, and he was talking about how like, you know, Foxy you were and not were, I mean, I'm not saying he hasn't seen you today. I I think you're Foxy today, but my point being is that when I started looking at all those things, I was like, Oh my God, your sensuality in your twenties and your, your sexuality, you know, and just like this, just gorgeousness, you know what I mean? The way you walked and moved and everything. And it's like, and I'm listening to you talking about how you, you were a good girl who just followed the rules. And yet when I think about the imagery of you that I've come to know of late, especially that is not what I would have thought. Yeah. Um, but but it it very much was the case. Uh, I did not have any of that big sophistication, and I clung to my friends, you know, my early high school friends. And then for me, what happened is that I became a professional at 19, and mm-hmm. all of my friends were 30. Every right. single person was 10 years older than me. Everybody. Right. So all of my friends were going to frat parties. And I was paying taxes and hanging out with 30-year-olds and 32-year-olds and 33-year-olds. So I grew up. I had that experience, too. I think that was similar. Because when you start working young, it's true. You get put put into a work environment where you're around people who are generally, you know, older than you when you're a young person who's working. And that becomes your community. So you start learning and getting exposed to things that you wouldn't if you were 19, right? Right. And I grew my mind from those years. Like mm-hmm. I really learned the practical aspects of life. My good friends taught me how to cook, how to keep a house. Because a lot of that isn't intuitive as well. Like for some people it is, but you know, I had a friend when I moved to LA, I was 19, my daughter was 20, my daughter was a year. And I had a friend called Priscilla, who was Priscilla Woolworth, incredible woman, much, not much, I don't know, 15 years older than me. And she had one daughter the same age as me, one who was two years older. And she taught me very basic things that I did not know how to do. Like, uh, how to keep a house functioning. You need to order like a uh, washing up liquid. And this is, and this is how you cook. She taught me how to make basic foods like spaghetti bolognese and a, a green salad with a great dressing. And she, she taught me so many things that today I still rely on. Yes. Mine was, my friend was Susie Pratt, who was an actress on a TV series and she was married and she was 20. I was 19, she was 21 or 22, and she was married and keeping very a grown up. marriage, very grown up. Um, and she had been raised in a restaurant and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the garlic. Like, yeah. I was like, garlic? I have no idea what garlic is. I had no, I, I, was, I was a white bread, you know, white bread, peanut butter and jelly kind of a girl. I did not cause a stir at all. So my development and my friends, I clung to these Mm. older friends of mine. And I can mark throughout my life the sort of water lines Mm. on me that all of these women um, filled me to that point. Oh, isn't that so beautiful that actually in my book, um, which I'll, I'll send you if you're ever just like bored and want a fun, you know, read. You can just read one chapter at a time. But Or maybe that I would be very interested in reading and maybe I'll take with me when I'm going my trip. 
okay, I'll put that in a little care package for you. Thank you. Um, there's a whole chapter on friends because the chapter is actually about how my friends have helped grow me, nurture me. At different times, they've mothered me. They've been sisters, uh, partners. They've just taught me so much and they've helped me to grow into the woman that I am. And then I also talk about the heartbreak of breaking up with friends and that it's not to be underestimated. It's like one of the most devastating things to have a friend break up when you truly, if it's a long-term friendship or someone that you have, you know, multiple connections with over many years and you realize, oh my God, we've have we outgrown each other? Mm -hmm. And then you have to handle that. You have to allow for that. And then it, it's been heartbreaking for me when I've had to let go of friends because they're my chosen family. We'll be right back with more good friend after this quick break. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss a common mistake that a lot of people do. They use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using oh. fabric softener. Oh. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. It, letting go of friendships, obviously, it's a podcast about friendship, and, um, you know, people have talked about toxic friendships. I refer to some people as vampires, mm. where I do feel uh, uh, that it, 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 is, it, it is an unhealthy relationship, where I feel that they're stalking me in a way or mm. watching my every move. Single white female vibes? A little bit. Where I do feel, I get this feeling like, whoa, I have a boundary. It is me, and I don't, I don't want you to comment on 
everything that happens. And if I post anything, I get an immediate cut. There is a... Oh, I've seen that as well. I've seen that with um, with certain friends of mine that have friends of theirs that are like the first to comment on all of their posts. And you're like, why are you so up in her sh-? You know what I mean? Like yes. back up, <laughs> you know, like back up. You really bit. need the world to see that you're so intimately connected with this person. It's generally a person who has a profile or has like a certain amount of followers where you see those kind of like those certain friends who are like filling the comments uh, time and time and time again. You're like, we get it. You're friends with her. We know, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be careful in my friendships because I want to have a sort of wide ranging group of friends and be able to have, uh, as we are public people, be able to have private lives and private Mm -hmm. friendships. Um, It can cross pollinate sometimes in a way that gets a little icky. Um, But you brought up, you know, breaking up a friendship. It's a, it's a hard experience to acknowledge that you have moved on from someone. Now, some people just do it passively. I was going to say the way in which we do it, I think is really important. Right. So the classic avoidant way (laughs) is to just stop contacting them. Contacting them. Yeah. Yeah. They do not respond to texts. That is okay. That is the avoidant way. I also feel like it's, it's unhealthy in the, and I am going to have a judgment on the on this one, because I feel that that you most people don't want to be ghosted. That's what it is. It's ghosting. Whether you go on a date with someone, you're like, yeah, not for me, and you don't want to go on another date with them, or whether you are wanting to take space from a friendship or whatever it is. I do feel like even a minimal amount of communication just to let that person know so that they're not wondering and stuck in their head and imagining all these crazy reasons of why it is. You can just let them know, hey, you know, um, thank you so much. Wish you the best. That's not, we're not, that's it. You know, you can do it in a way that, that sounds very blunt, but I was trying to think of, you know, if I, I haven't been on a date with anyone so long, so I don't even know what I would do. I don't, I think I'd be incapable of going on a date, but certainly with friends, I think, and I, and I actually, have a situation with one of my dearest friends right now where we were in the midst of that negotiation. Um, And I think about it every single day because the next response is on me. And I've been sitting on my response for months. And every day that goes by that I don't respond, I think, oh my God, another day's gone by. This is giving her the message. You don't care about the friendship because you've not responded to her for, you know, two months. I'm getting on to three months now. And every day I think I must respond because I care about this person and, and I'm afraid to because I have let it go for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm in the middle of one right now. And it's, even though I say that, yes, there's a dialogue that needs to be had. There is, but it's still really hard. Mm-hmm. It's not the first thing I want to do every morning when I wake up. Right. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your kids, you know, so you had kids young. You've raised, as you said, you have a 28-year-old. You've raised now teenagers. Yeah. Ha- I mean, I'm mid-raise on the, on the teenagers. You're in the mid-raise. Oh. So, but in that raising... Yeah. Have you found good, good friend support around the raising? Because I find that a lot of people connect through their kids, that a lot of people's relationships connect through their kids. Yes and no. The first time around, because I was a very young mother, I didn't know any other teenage women who had mom uh, kids. They were all older than me. Um, and I did find some really wonderful friends through the child, you know, the kid connection of not knowing people and someone being like, oh, you should meet someone. So they have a kid your age. And mm-hmm. yes, I did. Um, with these two, I mean, I had twins, which is, you know, a, a whole other parenting approach. Um, because, you know, in my case, I was breastfeeding two babies. Um, and so, and I had very bad postpartum. So the combination of breastfeeding twins and then postpartum, I would say the first 
two and a bit years of their lives, I didn't really leave my house much. Mm-hmm. I was pretty housebound. And then I they I did have some friends that had younger kids, but not really. This second batch of babies, I don't think I've really made friends. Maybe a, a few. A few of my friends had like their second kid like I, I did around the same time. But not a lot. And I and I miss that tribe. I miss that tribe of raising kids that were the same age and being mm-hmm. able to say, oh, hey, is this going on with your kid? Because I'm seeing this. Or like, what do you think about this? I've noticed my kids doing this. I didn't really have that resource with these last two that I did with the first one. Yeah, I didn't have with my first, with my daughter, Annie. Um, we have one... M- set of friends, husband and a wife and their daughter, who is a week apart from our daughter. And we were put together by mutual friends saying, hey, you know, they also live where you guys live and they have a daughter. And so we made friends that way. But I also, I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, I didn't feel that I look at my friend Leah Michelle now and, you know, every she and Emma Roberts just had a baby and Billy Lord just had a baby and they're all friends and they all have their babies together. And my but that's and the right just, age as well. Right. And they I it just, just told Emma it the other just, day. Right. I mean, it's just spectacular. And I did not have that. Right. They're in their 20s. So they're also at that age where how old, like I was 19 when I had Atlanta and then I was 34 when I had Ella and Sylvan. And so, you know, it was an interesting thing. Like 19 was pretty young to be having a kid. And then 34, I mean, a lot of people have had their babies, you know, um, Mm -hmm. by that point. So I kind of, had them at uh, non-traditional times to be having babies, you know? One of the unfortunate things that I think about a lot is that for women, our peak earning years match up with our peak fertile years. And so, you know, all those three women that you just mentioned, they all have baller jobs, right? They're successful women and they're having kids in their 20s at the time that their careers are at their peak as well. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I try to do it kind of before. (laughs) And I don't want to say after, but like I try to kind of do it on either side of it because I know the challenges of working and being a mom and having kids uh, at that really peak crazy time of creativity where there's a lot of demands on you. What do you go to your good friends with? Like, obviously you're married and you have, as you said, kids that are sort of varying teens and then a 28-year-old. Are your mother and father alive? They are, and I don't really have a relationship with them. So my mom, or I I have a, you know, strained relationship with them. My mom lives in the UK, unfortunately, I left the UK when I was 20 because I was so traumatized from being a young person who was, you know, severely bullied by the tabloid media uh, to the point where my mental health suffered so greatly that I, I had to leave. And I left the UK with one piece of luggage, my husband at the time, and I left my entire four-story brownstone in Notting Hill Gate with food in the fridge and laundry in the hamper. And I never went back. That's Mm. how traumatized I was. And it took me years and years and years to recovery to be able to uh, go back to the UK and not, you know, have a complete regression um, in my mental health. Because as a young person growing up there, when you are the the victim and the focus of the salacious and vicious British tabloid media, you don't stand a chance. Uh, and so unfortunately, my mom, um, you know, still lives there, but mm-hmm. I do not care for being there. And it has been a real shame that I've not been able to obviously, I've grown and changed a lot since when I fled the UK at age 20 but I haven't been able to restructure a relationship with her because the last time I lived there, you know, I was, you know, 19, 20. So I don't have a very strong relationship with her. Um, And my dad is here and the UK, um, but is also, you know, 
has been traveling my whole life and has never really been in one fixed abode and is, you know, started my my love for unavailable men, you know, young, <laughs> um, you know, trained me how to do it. And so it's, you know, I, my friends have been my chosen family and they are very, very important to me. And I have been raised by, you know, I've been raised by them. Um, and I hope that I help raise them in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I very much believe in kind of multi-generational friendships. I think that a woman, actually my interview series, The Conversation, I would have Jane Fonda and Miley Cyrus on the same episode. And the network would argue with me and say, well, this is just two different audiences. I'm like, why? Why can't Miley Cyrus fans get exposed to Jane Fonda and realize what a baller woman she is? Mm. You know, and and by the way, women of a certain age don't they don't have an expiration date. They we don't want to, I don't want to put women away once they hit 35 or 40. The wisdom that comes with women who are older, I value and I appreciate and I want to highlight the wisdom of age. And it's something that our culture is not particularly interested in. Um, And so I always try to do that where I have friends who are older and younger and I continue to learn from, from all of them because, you know, they have invaluable and different perspectives. So you know, I would say I have certain people that I go to for certain things, right? Sure. You know, um, there are friendships, you know, um, my friend uh, Amber, uh, mm-hmm. who I've been friends with for 25 years and we've seen each other grow up and I've seen her be married and divorced and have a grown up son. And, um, you know, my friend Demi, uh, who is a few years older than me and, you know, she raises daughters and I've seen her go through a marriage and a divorce and raising kids. And, and, you know, it's such an honor. It's such an honor to bear witness to your friends' lives. You know, my friend Victoria, who at age, you know, 45 became one of the most celebrated female directors that there is today. You know, when we all thought, Jesus, is this woman ever going to get a break? It's like to watch my friends, and I've known her 30 years. So to watch my friends go through different stages of life and to be able to be um, trusted enough to witness their journey and their intimate journey is, is the most profound gift for me. It's the most profound gift that I get to look at them and know, oh my God, I've seen you at your most vulnerable. I have seen you on the floor. I have had the blessing of being able to put my hand down to you and help you up and hug you and love you until you could stand up straight again. And by the way, you've done that for me. You have seen me in that place. You know, and you just have a love appreciation for, you know, for the journey that we're on. And so grateful that I've had these friends that have trusted me to let themselves be seen because that is the ultimate honor, in my opinion. Well, here's what I'll say to you. I would have been terrified of you in high school, terrified, (laughs) but I would have come up to you like an exotic animal and kind of want i would i would have tried to get close just to be in the orbit of the exotic animal <laughs> before i would have run away because you would have said let's go break a rule and i would have been like no i can't I, you would no, have had fun. I can't break rules i would have had fun but i would have been petrified and it would have just given me agita but ultimately i think As I started to develop my own mind, my way of thinking and and looking at the world, and I would have absolutely walked up to you, regardless of being 10 years or 20 years older than you, and saying, I want to know you. I know I would have said, I want to know you. And I would have risked the challenge of Mm. you to someone like me, a good girl who didn't break rules, I would have risked it for you. 
because you have the same level of integrity that I hope I have. I think I've seen that in you, and I would have been like, I'm terrified, but I want, I want to be your good friend. And I'm so glad that you were here today. Thank you so much. And I hope my listener had some fun and listened and learned about um, and learned about bravery and and all sorts of things. And um, if you're out there, listeners, stay safe. God bless you. Be well. And Amanda Decadene, thank you so much for being a good friend mm. on the Good Friend Podcast with me. Thank Thanks, you, Jamie. Thanks, one listener. Good Friend is produced by Dylan Fagan and is a production of iHeartRadio. Our theme song, Good Friend, is written, produced, and performed by Emily King. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff.